Welcome to The Story So Far, a podcast series by the Silk Road Institute that explores a broad range of artistic expression by Muslim artists in Canada through the eyes of the artists themselves. From music to literature, film, design, fashion, and more, we invite you on a journey into the minds and creative practices of some of the most talented and inspiring Muslims creating art in this country today. I'm your host, Tendesai Cromwell. In this episode of The Story So Far, I had the privilege of meeting Ahmed Monica, a talented musician and performing artist based in Toronto. Originally from Iraq, Ahmed studied theatre at the University of Baghdad's Institute of Fine Art and the prestigious Academy of Fine Art. He was born into a family of talented Afro-Arab artists with roots stretching back to 8th century Kenya. His family exposed him to a unique tradition of Afro-Sufi singing, which has been a major influence in Ahmed's work. He had an extensive career in Iraq, where he was the first black Iraqi to host a television program and the youngest member of the Iraqi National Theatre. He co-wrote and starred in the film The Society, which premiered at the Toronto International Film Festival. But the film's exploration of homosexuality tragically resulted in his exile from Iraq to Canada. The transition was challenging, but when he arrived, he built a career that was no less impressive. Since 2015, he has collaborated with the Canadian Opera Company, Tarragon Theatre, Aga Khan Museum, and numerous other organizations. He's also one of the founders of the band Mosquito Bar and is the creator and leader of Monica Arabic Jazz, which received the Stingray Rising Stars Award at the Toronto Jazz Festival in 2019. In this conversation, we explore the legacy of Afro-Iraqi art and history, Ahmed's connection with Sufism, and he reflects on exile and his transition to Toronto. Actually, I wanted to start talking about um, your childhood. I, I'm, you know, when I'm looking in your life, I see there's such a richness to your life artistically, but mm-hmm. also who you are as a person. You know, you come from an artistic family. You yourself were trained in Baghdad, as you mentioned. Mm-hmm. You acted in films, you've made films, and you're a musician. Hosted shows too, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then you're also Afro-Iraqi, which we'll talk about a lot today. <laughs> um, that adds a, a nice layer to who you are as well. Can you tell me about the life of young Ahmed and and uh, what led you to become the man you are today? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I feel like I have the privilege to grow up in Monica's family. And like big shout out to my mom, of course, because uh, she is not from the Monica family, but... Uh, like uh, she fell in love with my father, my father fell in love with her, and both of them they create this family that it's a big family. We are like three girls and three boys. So the oldest Sarah, Sra, Muhammad, and then me. I'm number four. And then my parents they had a break for five years, <laughs> and then they got Mahmoud. And then after seven years after Mahmoud, they got Tara. So. You know, like, it was really nice equality in the family. It was like, the girls has a right, the boys has a right. And like, we have my mom and my dad, so we are 4-4, four, four, like a per- perfect team. And like, we love each other. But also, there's something that really shaped us, you know? And which is how the way they raised us, my, my parents. There was a lot of listening to each other. A lot of respect to each other. And we hold space if anyone, if Sarah or Isra or Muhammad, Mahmoud, me, Tara, we have a problem, we sit all of us in a circle and we listen. 
and we suggest and we challenge the person if they feel like lack of a trust or they feel lack of belief or whatever. You know, especially as a black family, like we were, my father was very famous comedian actor. And uh, so when we are with him, everyone loving us. But when we are without him, people, they don't, they don't know us. So like was treating us differently. And, uh, but also we, we, we got inspired by my father and I will never forget my mother wisdoms or like, you know, this, uh, Nice words when I get like, for example, hurt of people telling me you're black or you're something. So I come back crying. I remember I told my mom, I asked my mom, I was like, why God created us black? And then she said that because we are unique and I will never forget this moment. Like she looked, took me to the mirror. It's like, look at yourself. You are beautiful. You are handsome. You are unique. And, but that's what shaped Ahmed today. Like how to carry myself with dignity. And that, it starts in Baghdad. Like, I remember I was the first black host in TV in the history of Iraq. And the idea, like, for example, I played Romeo in the Royal Shakespeare Company in England, and that, that audition was in Baghdad. Like, all like, what I want to say, when you trust, when you believe in yourself, and you believe in your ability, you will achieve. Wherever, how much is difficult. And Baghdad was difficult because it was war, was people surviving from war, and then was another civil war, but still, like, in the middle of this chaos and darkness, there was light. There was how we create our happiness. And that also, I learned a lot from my friends. That in other layers, that in the art school or in the childhood friends or like in the neighborhood and from the elders that they were like giving us like feedback or sometimes giving us some tricks about living in Iraq. And sometimes we make fun of them because we have other, way, other ways to see things. But the everyday life, the like like the simple things like in the bus you learn something in the, in the coffee shop you learn something and everywhere you learn something also i studied nine years theater five years was an institution fine of arts when i was like from 15 to 20 and then i went to university after i got my diploma from this institution fine of art and then i finished another four years in theater and you learn from your teachers from your friends from the colleagues so that's what Sheikh Ahmed, and this is, I feel, my childhood, yeah. That's incredible. That's such a beautiful childhood. You know, and I wanted to actually continue on that, um, focusing on your connection, your lineage, because I read that you have a lineage that connects you to Mombasa from the 8th century, and um, but your family has been Basra for generations, specifically, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, that's right. And But you said something so beautiful in an interview you did with, with Narsi. You said that when you connect to your roots, you become a tree. Mm -hmm. And so you have, even when you're speaking now, like you have such a cultural confidence, you know, a pride in being a black Iraqi that comes through. Now, I want to talk about, in that same interview, you talk about the um, kind of the black revolution in Basra. You say, you talk, was it the Tawat al-Zinj? Yes, Tawat al-Zinj. Tawat al-Zinj. And you say that it was the very first black resistance in the world mm -hmm. um, that happened from 1869. Mm -hmm. Can you tell me more about that 
history of resistance and even just also about like the black communities that exist in Iraq today and where they stand mm-hmm. today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, like um, there is there is a really beautiful community, black community in Basra specifically and there's in other cities, but in Basra there is the core of it because you know the black community mostly they came from East Africa and uh, from Nuba as well and uh, so they land in Basra which it makes sense they were the port close to the gulf from the arabian sea to the persian gulf or arabic gulf whatever you want to call it call it and then you know branch to this iran iraq kuwait saudi arabia all the gulf countries and uh, my family one of them some of them they came as a, a country, like financial work business because We, we we like we here in the West we talk a lot about slavery but we don't talk about the royalty about the the kingdom of Africa about the like the power of Africa and uh, if that we would talk about East Africa and Habesha if you want to talk about Nuba and other amazing nations in the West or in the South and in the North as well so my family They came from Bambasa, from Kenya, Bambasa, and um, we still have the same ritual. We still still sing a lot of all, all, all songs that my ancestor they came with during the boats, even from Bambasa, and uh, and also there's songs that developed while they are in Basra, and you could see the hybrid between Maqam and the old songs. But to talk more about the history, about the first black revolution of authority zinj there's a lot of uh, like you know just lack of justice was at that time was abbasi empire and abbasi empire is one of the biggest empire islamic empire was in the world at that time and historically it's huge like from china to spain and uh, the capital was baghdad at that time so basra was the part was very important access place to Baghdad and to like there's way from Turkey there's way from uh, Sham uh, but also Basra was the easiest way and closest way to Baghdad and uh, so there's a black community there and but they were shot they start treating them badly they were like treating a lot of them like slave there's 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 a, a lot of people they came slave there's old family they used to live there they own places and they start like really treating them badly and uh, was like a collaboration between poverty and the black community to do this revolution and uh, they started this revolution and then developed really like 14 years the black community they were taking over the south of iraq and for 14 years taking over like this part was really not easy because the Abbasid Empire they were very strong and very 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 powerful and uh, so the Khalifa and the black community was like really a lot of negotiation and then a lot of war started happen until after 14 years they took over the Abbas Khalifa But there was like agreement to really like give the people their freedom and give the people their their rights and also they, a lot of a black family they owned the places that they worked. 
So that's why, like, my family, for example, they were located in Nabal Khasib. It's a, like a town uh, very close to Iran. And, and that's why, like, but then after a while, my family moved from this town to downtown. And when they started doing the ritual, was really weird to have a black family doing something that is singing and drumming and, you know, there's channeling in the process. Uh, so took time to the community to welcome them. And then my family's still living in the same house over a thousand years. Even today? Even still today. A thousand years? Yeah. SubhanAllah. <laughs> that, is, that is so incredible. So in speaking about, I mean, your family is remarkable because it has... Your dad is someone who's a famous comedian, and you have this ritual that is, in, at least in where you come from, it's it's widely respected. I, I recall your dad talking about that people would come to your house, mm-hmm. and it was just a place people would come for a healing. Um, I wanted to actually talk about that, like because when I saw it, that ritual, you said it was recorded for the first time with the Aga Khan Museum for Black History Month, mm-hmm. I guess for future generations and for your own kind of historical memory. Um, you are you and your family are practitioners of like of the particular tarika or the spiritual path that this comes from. Um, can you explain this ritual to people like us, like who who aren't familiar with it, and how it connects to your Kenyan heritage? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there is a healing because that when exactly when the light. When the when you we say we call it medad in Sufism, when you ask the medad, you ask the support from the Creator, from God, from Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, and uh, here like like a human, we do have a power if we if we like if we really put the vibration with the right frequencies, like when we we put when we tune in. Really, we could reach, and also with the gathering, and the, so the ritual was uh, it's music, uh, like drumming songs, and also there's incense in it, and people gathering, and the people sing together, like there's call and response, respond to 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 the song, and but you see like the vibe, the healing is with. It's invisible, like in the atmosphere. It's energetic vibration that uh, that impact you in the moment, and with a with a with a with togetherness, that this power really engage and grow. Also, there is Baba and Mama that uh, they guide the ceremony. It's like the songs and also like this different styles. Of songs in this ritual, but also there's a lot of preparation. Like there's color that we wear, the fabric, the beads. Uh, there's like all, all, olive oil. Uh, there's a lot like Quran reading on stuff that you know prepare the the client. So let's say <laughs> just to like before the ritual and then when they go ritual the ritual and then they come back for three days the ritual will happen until like this person channel channels channels with the, the spiritual realm exactly mm. like they go because you know we call ahwal in, the, in Sufism mm. 
and like oh my family and all and also what they call Kanza Fula. It's very common in artistic or performer and perform way too. Like you know when you go in monologue and like you disappear. Or when you go in a solo as a musician and you disappear. Or like when you do something really you love and then you go like all of you there. Or when you meditate and you, you disappear like you go to the like you you leave your body in a way as we say and that's what i mean with channeling like like there is certain moments in the ritual you see everyone the young and the big and the old and the small like all of us we move in the in the place together as one and there is aspect of healing this moment like after you feel like ah oh, you're like you're tired but then when you just relax and surrender you will feel the comfort and and the energy you have and that's what i mean when you connect with your roots you become a tree because you will discover a lot of things like i like I, I like I listen to people and I see people using a lot of different things to channel or to use this, to reach this mindset, uh, the peaceful mindset or the, the the people asking or seeking for guidance, but to have this guidance with the with the music and with the with song, and with safe environment, that like the whole ritual is just like helped a lot of people and also made a lot of people to connect like there's generation and generation of families that they've been friends uh, with with the with my family and they become part of the family because they are like their grand 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 grandmother and father they they are connected to the house let me tell you as an audience like i was watching through a screen this morning and other days and i can't explain to you how even me I, I was buzzing inside for hours just list, like just listening to your, your sister is it Tara yeah and your yourself and your father just and everyone else was performing there was Abdul Hamid Abdul Walid Walid, Walid, Walid yes yeah. he played at our wedding actually oh, <laughs> he, nice. did, he played at our wedding <laughs> <laughs> so it's nice to see that and it was Senkofa I think yes he, he has a drumming care. store downtown exactly. and I used to go as a child yeah. so I was there was something happening with me that I can't describe. And it's there. I truly believe in something about that energy, the healing that you're speaking of. You just feel it. It was visceral. It came to me. Mm-hmm. And it's still like, yeah. So I can understand like being there and having that tradition passed down to your family c- could provide generational healing. People who come into the gathering, witness it, they're feeling it. So it's it's incredibly beautiful to see that. So I wanted to ask then, you know, with your family ritual, you know, there's tradition, heritage, healing energy, rhythm, all of this. And like I said out um, before, there you talk of secrets and energy. How has this shaped your approach, approach to music today with your, you know, the Monica Arabic Jazz or your other band, Mosquito Bar, which is a funny name because yeah. you were out getting mosquitoes yeah. bitten. With yeah. <laughs> it's a really funny name. Exactly. You guys are the bar yeah. for the mosquitoes. Yeah. I laughed when I saw that. I was like, this is hilarious. We are the best mosquito you're bar. The, you're the best <laughs> mosquito bar. For the flavors. From all over the world. <laughs> exactly. You got a big buffet. So tell me, tell me how you're... Family tradition 
um, of the music, the Sufi music, the sacred music informs your music that you perform today with in this country now? Yeah, yeah, beautiful question. Yeah, like, why I love the music? Because I'm an actor. I've never been as a musician in Iraq. I sing in theater, but I never played in a band until I, I came here to Canada. And uh, start with Mosquito Bar. Uh, it's like this uh, mix between the journey, as Tangi say, uh, from Brittany to Baghdad. And uh, Tangi is the leader of the band, is from Brittany, the Celtic part of France. And Yuri Rafali, now he's in Ukraine, he's from Ukraine. I send him all the prayer and all the the energy and peace to surround him and, uh, and his people there too. And uh, and myself. So we were like, I didn't speak English, Yura didn't speak English, and uh, Tangi speak uh, Tanglish. <laughs> so we were like three of us. We communicating through music. And of course, for me, I was just dealing with being me being here and living here and accepting to be here. And of course, I brought the the warmth of maqam, which is the background of music I learned, and also the light of the Sufism that I learned that I chant when I sing with it, and and that what I brought with me. And the beginning, I didn't take it seriously. It's like, oh, we are just healing each other. Like we are playing to each other and that's it. And we were just hang out and playing until become band. And, and we started like playing to people and making money. And like, no, this is serious. And then like you see the impact of the people, like when I'm going with my wall, it's like an open something I'm singing with. And you see people connecting to something that they don't know, I don't know, but I know a little bit, but I don't know at the same time how to articulate it. But something mystic, something that, again, in the atmosphere, something that of feeling and 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 and, and sharing, and, and that it was well received from people, and then that made me believe it is like, this may be a new approach I have to deal with and I have to discover and explore. So after Waskita Bar, I created my own project, which is more about this African groove in me and uh, the maqam, warmth of the maqam and the spirituality of it and, and the abstract of North American music. That with jazz, with the free expression and like we all like showing the panorama of our involvement together. And like, you know, of course, there's funk, there's psychedelic, there's some experimental stuff that we do as a band with Monica Arabic Jazz. And it went like really successfully crazy. And I always end with an Afro-Sufi song that I always remind people, like, be free, let it go, open your heart, let your soul be free. There is a big foundation underneath you. Don't be scared, go for it dance and people like we reach sometimes level that exactly the channeling the kanzafula the the you see it in the audience yes yeah. because like when you guide the audience when you 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 remind the audience they like here it's safe environment let's go together we all together we all one we all human we all carry the same soul we all intelligent we all plane of consciousness we all important and 
matter. And that's when you feel in the crowd because it's a trust. And step by step, step by step, step by step until the end of the set, of the second set. Here when I call Sidi Mansour, it is like an Afro-Tunisian song, Sufi. And you see the people, they, they go hawal, they go like, like everyone channeling like to their thing. And like you see the room was all shaking and, and moving at the same time. And then we end and like, ah, we're all tired, but we all feel this peace inside of us. And, uh, you know, that's what I brought from my family, to be honest with me. That's it. You're almost creating an... Um a new ritual through the bat. That's 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 kind of beautiful. A modern ritual. It <laughs> came from Mombasa. Who would have thought that today in Toronto, it's, this is the version of it, this iteration of it. True. This is beautiful. But um, you know, speaking of energy, you know, you bring a different energy and a perspective about life in Baghdad, life in Basra. Most Canadians don't know about Basra, but you know, bringing here, being here, you've talked about you know, risk and danger there, but you also talk about being in that environment created passion with you and purpose uh, about uh, living out a life as an artist in Iraq. And you were a major part of the art scene back home. Can you paint me a picture of the art scene in Baghdad and developing as an artist against sort of the background of the political environment and the background of, of war? Mm-hmm. When I came to here at the beginning, I felt... <clears throat> the art scene is so separated, split. Because when I grew up in Baghdad, you see the whole art scene is very close to each other. Like the design aspect is the design people very close to the theater people. And the same with the visual artist people, they know the musicians. And everyone knows each other. And that's what I mean with purpose. Because there's challenge. Uh, circumstances that we're all dealing with as an artist and we all work it together to make it happen to create safety or to create hope inside of people that hopefully be uh, something to change because we cannot change people we are not allowed to change anyone I have a daughter, Sina, she's two years and a half I cannot change her if I order her, she will say no. But maybe if I trick her, I will affect her, I will impact her, reflect to her. Maybe she will say yes. So it's always the case. And with society, with people, like we need to treat our people the same way. If we want something to share with them, or question when asked, or, or like idea or hope, or shift or whatever, like specifically in Baghdad or Iraq, was war. So when I was in art school, it was civil war. Like people at 3 p.m., they're going in their neighborhood and they don't leave. And that is like, does that Islam? This is not Islam. This is mafia. This is mafia that get paid to do this and to destroy Islam. Like I'm, I came from mix between Sunni and Shia family. And... Uh, uh, I'm sushi, <laughs> and, and like <clears throat> always, like when I was the civil war, does not make sense because I have access to both world. I have access to the Sufism from my father part, and I have the Shia part from my mother, and like 
And my family, my mother's family, they are my family. Like, we love them so much. We go, we sit, we do the rituals too. And then, like, the same thing with my father. And both, they're amazing and rich. And um, so the war was fake, was created, was supported. So as an artist here, your job was to reflect the truth, to uplight the darkness, to amplify voices and minorities and talk about rights. And we did it. They didn't believe in us at the beginning. They were like a bunch of kids, you know. But then we, we, we surprised them. And that's when I come over here, I got exiled. It's like, do I have to change my way of thinking based of how the system work here? And definitely at the beginning I said yes. And I give up of my revolutionary ideas and like how to involve, but I try to learn and to observe this society. And now I'm back, I think it's like, no, I don't need to throw all my old knowledge. No, I put the, like I have the treasure box. I go and open it, but I learn I don't want to like criticize people. I don't want to say this is wrong, this is right. Because it's not, a, no, it's not my right. But maybe I could impact the opposite. It's like, if I want to bring something, I want to show it. I want to showcase it. And then we'll let the audience or the people decide about it. And also, I, I learn always talking about the different multiple voices. And here is a little bit awkward because you're not allowed to talk about other voices. You have to talk about yourself only. And we are in really battle of identity identity in this world. If that's color, if that's religion, if that's culture, if that's gender, if that's like, and there's a lot of boundaries become more sharper and sharp and no one allowed to talk about anything. And, and I love this borders, like in a way to challenge them. How we could build the bridges between these boundaries. And this is my job, I feel. This is my mission as an artist now here. I will try to glue people together. Like I will try to bridge people together. And and yes, go to the sensitive uh, zones, and we let, but, but let the people talk about themselves. Let's open the space. Let's hold space to each other. Let's have mercy towards each other. Let's listen to each other and understand what is comfortable, what non-comfortable. The same thing as in Arabic, Muslim, uh, black. My name is Ahmed. There you hear a lot of funny observations that based on stigma and stereotypes and, and media that brainwash a lot of people here in the Western culture about, about, about us. And and I mean us, if that African black or that, if that Arabic or if that Muslim in general. Because they brainwash the community and the society until they see this is danger. But who supported this group of terrorist, terrorism? A lot of Western cultures and countries, they support a lot of, of like movement like that. And the same thing... Like the Mujahideen and... Yeah, exactly. For instance, yeah. And, and that is like... Instead of saying and pointing, it's like, yeah, no, no, you're wrong. You're, no, I showed the opposite. I showed, I showed the real part of us. Like, let's, like there's wisdom in Islam that is, is insanely <laughs> amazing. 
There is light in the Quran. The Quran is studying psychological human being about the the identity of a human being, and there's a lot of amazing things there. If you discover it in the Quran, you will it will help you as a person to be yourself and lay like, and understand and you have mercy towards other people too mm. and there's no others just us who others what the difference the faith different or belief or what who cares like no do you know what i mean so that's my perspective in art and but that's what i'm driven now through that's how you've transformed but it's so interesting that sort of the artistic practice that gained you a lot of different acclaim and popularity in Iraq is the same artistic practice that led you to leave your country and now come here to Canada to create something new. Would you be able to speak to the circumstances under which you came to Canada in 2015? Yeah. Like, uh, I was involved in a film talk about uh, gay rights. And uh, why I was involved in this film even though I'm straight, but they killed all the gays in Iraq in a very horrible way. And that was a militia, like Islamic militia, a fake of Islam, that they were like killing people in a horrible way. And based on what? No one knows. And who tell them to do that? No one knows. And no one respond to them too. Like no one say anything because people, they were scared. So it was really tough. My friend Sam Rashid, he's the director of the movie, and also we co-wrote the movie. But he came, it's like he brought the ideas, like, "Hey guys, this is this happening. You want to do a movie?" And that's time to say yes to do this movie in 2011. It was like really difficult. Like all the gays, they were hiding because they know it's like danger. They will die if they anyone know. So we filmed the movie. It's a dicker drama short movie about the gay the gays in Iraq so I played gay with my friend Mohammed Atshan and uh, there's documentary part there's two other people talking about like what's happening in the society now and how people are responding to the gay as to the gays and uh, and how they treat them like this ministry and uh, we scared to screen the movie until 2015 after we got an offer to screen it at Cannes Festival. And after Cannes Festival, TIFF they wanted. So I came to TIFF, to Toronto International Film Festival, Toronto, and and then I got the news from my father. They went to his, fa to his school and they told him if I come back, they want to cut my body into little pieces. So that's what made me forced to stay here in order to save my life. And when I moved here at the beginning, I didn't know how to speak English. Okay, no, a little bit, but I didn't know how to speak English really. So that was a little bit of challenge. But then, you know, sometimes you go through things that is, we call qasman you know? <laughs> like when it's, it's written, be like that. And I learned a lot, to be honest. Like, I'm, I'm so grateful to be here and also I will be always Iraqi. Have you been able to go back at all? Not yet. Not yet. Is, yeah. that, a, is that a plan to... Yeah, like, I'm thinking hopefully soon because now I'm Canadian and Maybe protected, kind of. And they forgot, of course, because a lot of things happen after that. Of course, yeah. But uh, still, like, you know, I have to be, I have to be, like, extra cautious about 
being there and uh, yeah. But maybe sneak in the south and go see my sister and my family. That would be nice. So happy your father's here though, your sister's here. Yeah, my father, my mother and my sisters, they are here because they got impacted because of this movie and also uh. other stuff that they've forced them to flee as well. Right. And they stayed in Turkey for four years and then they joined me here. And they joined you here later yeah. to the film. Well, you know, now you're in the diaspora. Mm-hmm. And now you're creating a new Monica family lineage in yeah. this land. <laughs> you have a child that was born here. Yes. Um, and I've I've read that you said, um, you know, you're so far from Basra, but you still have that confidence. You still have that connection and you carry the ritual within you. How are you maintaining that really deep connection that comes through in your life, your music? How are you maintaining that connection here after all these years and passing it down to your own child? Mm-hmm. Continuity, practicing, that is something that will never stop. And uh, in Sufism we say there's no such a distance. And there's uh, there's no such a time as well. That, like, you know, like you could, you could shortcut a lot of distance and, and that with meditation, with connection, with with really like that's what I love really like when you surrender to yourself and to to the one and only really and that is when you recharge and you belong to the place that to the right direction like you know for me it's like an ocean of light and when you just lie down with your back on your back and that when you you harmonize with everything really like with the with everything, first with the creator and the one, and um, and then with everyone that belong to to this power and to to this direction, and uh, that's what I feel like you know make me more me, like peacefully practicing and surrendering to myself. So that is like what what's really like the reminder of of being you know. Here, but still there, and there, and still here. Mm, it's beautiful. And it's actually one final question I have for you. Um, so, you know, a lot of people, young people in diaspora, myself included, a lot of our conversations are around, like, cultural deprivation, uh-huh. needing to belong, uh-huh. lacking that connection to land and culture and place uh-huh. that we never seem to be able to find. It's so elusive. But you came here and you're able to talk so beautifully and live out a life of cultural connection. Mm-hmm. But now you've, it's been seven years since you've been on your land. Um, what have you lost? And like, what do you long for? And what are you happy to have left behind? Mm. Like, um, I lost the flavor of the land that I used to, to harmonize with. I lost the rhythm of... Uh, of Baghdad that I miss so much and I'm trying to create something like it but it's not the same like the the ease simplicity the desire to create happiness and the the strength the resisting like all of that uh, was natural in Iraq you get it in the in the vibe in the in the air like uh, you find it from everyone, from the 
person make you the food, from the person feed you the tea, when when people randomly in the street, when you sit like and everywhere. And everywhere people like more natural, more emotional, more real. They like they're strong, very strong too. I know they're tired, but they're strong. Like here sometimes like I was searching for eye contact for seven months at the beginning. And that was really like 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 something like now it's different because now I sing, people recognize me, people knows me, but at the same time it's like I was searching for eye contact. There's awkwardness in social life here. Still like I wanna make joke of it, I wanna make fun of it, to open it up, but to ease and lose this like which is it's coming I respect where where it's coming from. It's coming from safety and security. But it's okay to articulate some stuff. It's okay to to share your opinion. It's okay to make fun of things, but don't harm them. But like, it's okay to be you. It's okay to be real. Because sometimes you compliment, you compliment, and then behind the person you are like, oh. And that I saw it here, really. People like shy to say the truth, but then they crush the person when behind it because they are more comfortable to say the truth. No, I say the truth in front of the person. Make it nicer, of course, but say the truth. Because that the only way will, like, will we'll create city, historical city. Because what about Toronto exists that is not in a lot of places, even in Baghdad and all the big places in the whole, in the whole world, the harmony and the diversity. Like this city carry a lot of immigrant people, came from various reasons, financially, safety, whatever the reason is, education, but all of them here harmonize with each other. You meet all like different religions, different stuff, but like the dynamic of the city is working. It's working. It's like, like as an Iraqi immigrant, Yeah. I saw the difference between me and my brothers in Vienna. Mm-hmm. Like. There's a lot of door open to me. I know I have that whatever forest, whatever, but I care myself with dignity and stuff, and I'm proud of my culture, as you mentioned, but still, if I'm, if I'm like, I want to, yeah, I want to call countries. If I'm in France, I will be different. If, even if I'm in the United States, it will be different. If I'm in, in, in Germany, it will be different. And the same thing, like, yes, but that is like what the privilege of Toronto, and we need to believe in this more. As a new generation, we need to showcase this. It's so hard for more. me to believe just being here my whole it's just hard for me to see it that way. But I can appreciate that coming from Iraq seven years ago, it's it's this is a place that feels like that and has been that way for you. Yeah. And I appreciate that for you, yeah. There's still a lot of work to do. Yeah. I'm working on the project called the Onion Cellar. Onion Onion Cellar. Yeah. And this is what I wanna talk about. I wanna talk about un- unity and crossing boundaries and like u- unity like there's there is possibility of unity or not and i feel there is <laughs> you know what that's such a beautiful spirit to end on i want to thank you so much <laughs> thank for your time, you Ahmed. it's been such a pleasure thank you so much really for having me here thank you 
The Story So Far is a Silk Road Institute production and was funded by the Canada Council for the Arts Digital Now Grant. We acknowledge that the Silk Road Institute operates on the traditional territory of the Ganyan Cahaga, presently known as Montreal. These are unceded Indigenous lands and a place which has long served as a meeting and exchange among many First Nations, including the Ganyan Cahaga of the Haudenosaunee Confederacy, Huron-Wendat, Abenaki, and Anishinaabe. We recognize and respect the Ganyan Cahaga as the traditional custodians of these lands. The show was produced and researched by Asan Mogo, script writing and editing by Anam Shaw, additional script editing by yours truly, Tendisai Cromwell, the executive producer and creative director is Mohammed Shaheen, music by Suad Bushnak, marketing and communications by Nawal Salim, sound editing and mixing by Mark Knox at New Sound Productions, graphic design work by Hamza Ali, special thanks to Silk Road Institute's programs and development manager, Miriam Zaidi, for all of our episodes and to support Silk Road's future programming, visit silkroadinstitute.ca. I'm your host, Tendisai Krama. Thanks for listening.